The following podcast contains a cocky host who went 2-0 this week and suffers from delusions of grandeur. Listener discretion is advised. If I turn this thing on in the first 10 seconds of the episode as you giving a disclaimer, stupid producer extraordinaire. Hey everyone, and welcome to what should be a tremendous edition of a bit of fellatio. I am your host, Jason Geller. I'm in a great mood, and I'm here alongside producer extraordinaire, John Maddox. John, how are you feeling today? Much better today. What's in the past is in the past, just moving forward. Moving forward, I see. Well, we are all moving forward. We're getting closer to the playoffs. The playoff picture is in one hand, starting to take shape in another hand. We've got more questions than answers, it seems now. We've got quite the jumble in the wild card mix, even though a couple of teams are starting to pull ahead of the pack. And we're going to dive right into that in just a second. Before we get into this week's details and analysis, just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there, to all of our listeners. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate all of the feedback and all the engagement that we get from this podcast. Yes. And uh, for our German audience, happy Thanksgiving equivalent to you as well. Yeah. I got bad news for you there, Jay. Uh, Apparently our German audience didn't listen last week. Uh, Hmm. I wonder if they were just really prepping for that football game between the Bucks and the Seahawks over there. And once the game hit, Either they no longer had the need to listen to this and and take a crash course on football, or maybe they were Seahawks fans and they lost and they were just super bummed and just couldn't think about football for a while. You know, all all valid points. It's just something that we'll have to, we'll have to watch for the rest of the season and and we'll see. We'll try to win them back. We will find out what the German equivalent of Thanksgiving is and we'll make sure we wish them all a happy whatever that is on the next episode. But yeah, we've got a lot to get into today. We've got our game recaps. We've got one trade that snuck in after the last episode was released, but before the the trade deadline. So we got one last auction league trade to talk about here, and then we're going to get into the playoff picture from there. But no, let's start with just a recap of last week. We talked about how some teams really solidified their playoff positioning. And I think the team that did the most in that regard, Tommy's you'll see led the way this week, 140 points. We, yeah, they, they just sawed through the competition. Uh, Devonte Adams, Jalen hurts, Derek Henry, all starred for Tommy's team, putting up between 22 and 26 points individually. And then really, man, it was just a team effort from there. I mean, his worst performer, his absolute worst, still put up a six and that was spot start kind of out of nowhere, Justin Watson. So when you kind of have to pull a nobody off the waiver wire and plug them right into your start, it's, I mean, that's a good all around effort there from Tommy's team. Yeah. And considering that Tommy started two Chicago bears in the starting lineup, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, the Chicago are an intriguing team. They're a little frisky. I think more so from fantasy purposes, they're losing a lot of close games on the field, but they're at least putting up points, which, you know, compare that to a year ago or even say six NFL games ago, didn't appear to be the case. It seemed like it was anemic offense and now it's got some juice to it. 
Well, it did not hurt that they were matched up against uh, the Atlanta Falcons defense either. That's correct. A little bit of a sieve there, but um, certainly, you know, an indoors, so you get all the dome weather advantages in that sense. But yeah, I mean, they put up points, 17 for David Montgomery, who's now got that backfield almost to himself. We talked about that when Khalil Herbert went down, that Tommy kind of lucked into now a bell cow starting running back. You know, Darnell Mooney, he got the touchdown. He only got 29 yards receiving, but, you know, the touchdown kind of bailed him out there. They're doing their thing in Chicago there, and it's certainly, uh, you know, something to keep an eye on as the straw that stirs the drink there in Chicago may be uh, missing in action for a brief moment. We'll get into that a little bit, unfortunately, yeah, um, that, as we talk Ch- about my team. Chicago matches up against the Jets, I believe, this weekend that have a pretty decent defense so i don't know if he can count on the same production out of those bears coming up you know they got a pretty good defense a little more nf about the bears and we're talking about the jets now you know justin fields went up in front of the locker room he apologized for letting the team down and letting the defense down last week and supposedly went over really well over there in the bears locker room in fact the defense even interrupted him at the end and said hey you don't need to apologize to us on the flip side, Zach Wilson over in the Jets locker room didn't think he was the problem when he led the Jets to three points against the Patriots. You know, could you start to see splinters fracturing in the Jets locker room that maybe you're not going to see in Chicago's locker room? Maybe. I don't know how that'll play out on the field. I don't know if we'll see it transpire overnight. The Jets are still right in the thick of things. So certainly those guys are be playing their hearts out, at least while they're still in playoff contention. Yeah, and, and just to mention, Tommy did get his uh, QB decision correct again with the Hurts over Jackson start. So we'll see if Tommy can keep that rolling for the rest of the season, picking the best of his three QBs. Yeah, I mean, he's got Deshaun Watson one more week on the bench, and then he'll be back in the fold. Lamar Jackson playing against Jacksonville in Jacksonville this week, so you know, remains to be seen what he thinks of that. But Jalen Hurts is going to be playing, I believe this is on Sunday night, is that correct? Against Green Bay. I think it's a primetime game. So we'll see where he goes with that. Certainly the matchups may skew one way, the talent may skew another, and Tommy will have a decision to make this week just in a either-or capacity, like as you mentioned. The following week, suddenly he's got Deshaun Watson in the fold as well. Yeah, I'm afraid we might see some more of that up and down from Tommy's team. I'm not sure he's going to be top scorer next week. May not, but you know, it is worth calling out. He's been one of the hottest teams in the league. He's now 7-1 and one over the last four weeks, and he's at the point now where he's got a stranglehold on the division that he's in. He's got a stranglehold, on, or he controls his own destiny, I should say, at least as far as a first-round buy. He's two and a half games clear of both his own division and Brett's team, who's the the third division leader in our division, John. So he's going to, you know, really have the chance to lock that up and lock up as much as the first round by this weekend here. But as far as we go from Tommy's team, the two teams he beat, um, New Jersey Mob, Sean's team, fantasy football team, you know, the Mob stayed alive. They're still technically alive here. They, Sean, 84 to 60, kind of a low scoring affair. And, and for Mike's team, it's kind of funny. The kicker and defense did the heavy lifting for him. He got 18 out of his defense leading the way. He got 14 out of his kicker. He did get 17 and 14 from Mariota and T. Higgins, respectively. Well, hey, he did have a running back put up 24 points. <laughs> he did. 
He had a running back newly acquired Jamal Williams, 64 rushing yards, three touchdowns on his bench. And you know what? The more I looked at this, you know, I, I was on the, the podcast last week and I went out there and I said, and I was sending this to, I sent this to Ricky. I sent this clip to Mike. I sent it to you, John. It was me saying, hey, look, Jamal Williams, he's a goal line back now in Detroit. The offense is moving the ball. And so he's got a lot of opportunities for six, almost verbatim what I said. And it's great when you put that out there on the podcast and then watch the guy score three touchdowns for my team individually, first and foremost, too. Not my fantasy team, but my actual team, the Lions. I was loving life with that. But then we go back and look at this. I didn't even realize he went out and acquired Jamal Williams in that trade when he already had Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. So I'm scratching my head thinking, why would he trade Garrett Wilson for two bench players effectively? I mean, Jamal Williams immediately became his running back three and he wasn't intending to start him. And then Corey Davis, I don't know what you want with Corey. Definitely a curious move from Mike's standpoint. John, did you did you realize that at the time that he was acquiring Jamal Williams, even though he had Mixon and Jones? No, and I don't know off the top of my head. I'm going to have to look real quick what Jamal Williams contract is that jamal williams was a waiver claim waiver waiver claim so not keepable yeah i'm not i i don't really understand that unless it was having insurance on the bench which is now going to come in handy because joe mixon officially has a concussion he's going to be in the protocol the Bengals don't play until sunday so he's got some time to figure this out however Jamal Williams, presumably who he's going to plug in in his place, plays on Thursday. So Mike's going to have to make a decision. If he thinks that Mixon can go, maybe he sits Jamal Williams, trusts that Mixon's going to play. Maybe he plops Jamal Williams into his starting lineup, and then he's got to figure it out between Mixon and Aaron Jones who he's going to start in Week 12. And that's not a lot of time to think. He's got one day of practice for Mixon. Yeah, Mixon will practice Wednesday, and then we're not going to get practice reports Thursday by the time Detroit kicks off at 1230. Well, good luck, Mike. And just to be clear, I don't fault him for keeping Williams on the bench with Mixon and Jones in his active lineup. It just sucks that your biggest producer is sitting on the bench. It does. But I think the fault lies in just making that move in the first place then. Yeah. You know, he had bad luck with Tony going down. And then his other decision to start Isaiah Likely. What do you think about that, considering Mark Andrews was back? I think you didn't know. And I've got Mark Andrews, so I'm obviously in tune with this. I started Mark Andrews thinking that whatever I was going to get off the waiver wire would be better or wouldn't be any better than even Mark Andrews if he was hobbled and at less than 100%. Turns out he was relatively close to 100%. Um, He got 60-something yards receiving so I don't know, maybe it was just, you know, a high upside type of pick where if um, Mark Andrews was going to just kind of be a decoy, likely we get some chances there. But Isaiah likely got one more receiving yard than you and I did, John, this week. Just barely. Yes. But, you know, he beat us combined still. So, yeah. Well, do you, you think you give him a break because he's busy? He just got married. He's got a kid on the way. He's eight and 12 in the league. You cut him a break for not paying that close attention and making a change? No, no excuses. But no, he, right. I mean, he didn't really have many better options. Dallas Goddard was his starting tight end who went down with injury. He's done just about for the year at this stage. And so he's just picking someone up off the waiver wire. Uh, you know, I don't think there was any 
got any guys that were going to put up enough points to make, bridge the gap between his 84 and Tommy's 140. So it didn't cost him anything really in the grand scheme of things. But you still say, do better, Mike. Do better, Mike. Another team that certainly could do better, though, Sean, 60 points. Just, you know, we were just on the podcast last week talking about how Sean's team, his running backs look good, everything else looked good. He got three points combined out of Saquon Barkley and Damian Pierce combined. I was shocked to see the Lions. I mean, we joked about this last week and how the Lions juggernaut defense, but yet they played against the Giants this week and Saquon only got 22 rushing yards and 13 receiving yards, which admittedly is like twice as much combined yards as Damian Pierce put up, but still just kind of shocking to see it drop off a cliff all at once. I guess from Sean's perspective, if you're going to have it happen, I guess have it all at once, lose the games, and then you know try and bounce back. Because I don't think it's indicative of a long-term trend for either player, Pierce or Barkley. Uh, but we'll have to see if if they do start you know reverting back to average or subpar performances. Yeah, and I know Houston is just not good. Correct. Uh, I started. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Mills. Davis Mills, yeah, yeah, in in a different league because I had a quarterback on a bye and he was the best available off the waiver wire, and that was a huge disappointment. I did not see Pierce getting blanked, so that was a surprise. And then bad luck for Sean Wandale Robinson puts up a ten and then goes on the IR. Yep, torn ACL. He's done for the year. Double whammy for Sean because he's a Giants fan. That's you know you don't ever like to see that. It's that's tough when you lose someone that's fantasy contributor on your hometown team. Um, so Sean will have to bounce back from that. And he didn't really get much out of new acquisition Ceedee Lamb either. You know, forty points for Dallas. And so, you know, when it rains, it yeah. pours. Sean, hopefully you're able to to bounce back. And I am noticing something something weird here on Sean's team, and I'm not sure. I thought we had a minimum roster size that you had to meet we we took that off a couple of years okay. ago but yeah i mean he's he's only got five players on his bench one of whom was james connor incidentally we should mention who had another solid game 11 touchdown to kind of salvage things but you know sean's now got three starting caliber running backs and with wandale's injury his next best receiver he could plug in is adam thielen which is not great no, um, I do know Sean, I will say this, Sean was looking to make a move. He was poking around looking for wide receiver for me, offering a running back. Didn't offer James Conner anything, but, um, but still was looking to make a low impact move. So he was out there looking for wide receiver help. And I think now trade deadlines passed. He's going to have to go off the waiver wire or roll with uh, Lamb, Lazard, and Thielen the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and not not to get too much into what we're going to talk about later, but Sean's 10 and 12 with the lineup that he's got. I'm not scared of that team. It, yeah, it, it isn't really a, a threat to put up 120 points, maybe most weeks. It could surprise you. You know, I mean, Saquon Barkley, CeeDee Lamb, those guys are certainly capable of blowing up. Alan Lazard, you figure if Aaron Rodgers decides to, he's going to be the guy he throws to, maybe he could blow up. It feels like Christian Watson might be that guy going forward, at least in the short term, though. So, yeah, you struggle to see where Sean can get, you know, enough points to go two and zero, two and zero, two of the three weeks here. Well, and I'm I'm kind of curious with Green Bay, how many more weeks do they go before they rest Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the way and see what they have with Jordan Love? Oh, that's going to cause quite a stir up in Green Bay if when that happens. 
Well, the next team we want to talk about, the second highest score of the week, Brett Bonencontri, I identify as the league champ, certainly gave a potential league champ performance this week. Uh, a lot of it came through for him on Monday Night Football with all eyes watching as George Kittle and Debo Samuel combined for three touchdowns en route to 34 combined points. But he also got solid games out of Joe Burrow, four touchdown passes, 26 points. Jonathan Taylor continues to impress in the new Jeff Saturday led Colts offense. And he even got George Pickens kind of the replacement or he got in the trade uh, for CeeDee Lamb. Pickens ends up putting up a 14, way outperforms Lamb, go figure. So really, I think Brett certainly got to be happy with this team. He's now in first place in our division by half a game and really came through big uh, on a week he needed to do it. Who did Brett get Pickens from? He got Pickens from Sean in the CeeDee Lamb trade that involved Kyle Pitts and Elijah Moore uh, and Keenan Allen. Yeah, and then he got Kittle from Rick, right? Yeah, that was a little bit earlier in the season, though. That was not the trade deadline trade that just went through yeah. at the end there with the, you know, pits hanging things up and not processing for a week until after they initially accepted the trade. But yeah, I want to call this out for Brett's team though, because, you know, Brett's team, he, he's only half a game above 500, 11, 10 and one. And yet I think his team is a little dangerous right now. He's got real top tier talent in the starting lineup. You're talking about Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, and guys like Debo Samuel and George Kittle. But then he's also got the depth. You think about his running backs are Taylor. His second running back is Kenneth Walker. He's still got Jeff Wilson maybe as his three and Brian Robinson Jr. as his four. That's enough to get by um, and have a little bit of protection due to injuries. I don't know if he's got any other buys remaining from that group. Oh, he probably does Jonathan Taylor's off in week 14. But certainly, you know, he was going to put in two very solid options at running back then. And even wide receiver, I mean, he's got Traylon Burks, who put up an 11 on his bench, Keenan Allen, who's back now and put up a 7, 94 yards with a fumble loss. So you feel like, hey, you know, Brett's got some uh, ability to play some matchups, get through any remaining bye weeks, and even be protected against injury here. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it. He's a half a game above 500. This is the first point in the season where Brett has made it above 500. The so entire he's got- year? The entire year. So he, wow. he's had a bit of a slow start. He's won his, the last four in a row. So it is looking like maybe he was just a, a big sleeper. And the now four he's and or six and John. I show him that he's won his last four in a row. Oh, I thought he had won six. We'll take a look. We'll get back on that one. But in any case, I mean, certainly getting hot at the right time. All right, John, you say you actually have a bit of a fact check for us here. Yeah, week nine, he put up 88 points and he went one and one. So I guess depending on how you count it, he's either four and zero in his last four or five and zero in his last five. In any case, still doing well at the right time, which is a, a good sign for him. The teams he beat this week, he got by Flint's flock. That was actually a relatively close game. He beat him 120 to 106. Danny was led by... Jimmy Jeans, Jimmy Designer Jeans performance, four touchdowns, Monday Night Football, did all he could, just couldn't quite pull it out. The problem, I think, was all those touchdowns were going to George Kittle. And I guess Debo Samuel stole one as a rushing touchdown where Danny didn't even get the points for it. So the wrong guys got in the end zone, but Jimmy Garoppolo was at least helping him get there. And then Danny also had to be pleased with performances from Amari Cooper, 23 points. Christian Watson, another two touchdowns following his three touchdown effort last week. Josh Jacobs, 15 points. You know, the problems kind of lied with uh, A.J. Brown, four points. 
Tyler Higby four points and Graham Gano the big fat zero. Yeah, I I don't know what's going on with AJ Brown. I didn't he didn't have an in, injury designation going into the game, did he? No, they said he he really didn't. You know, he, he was missing I think practice for rest purposes going into that game, but no, he was supposed to be full go. Um, I just think Indianapolis played Philly tight and you know, like I said, Jeff Saturday's got that team whipped into shape in Indy. They came to play and they shut down AJ Brown. They got an underrated defense, I think, in Indy there. Yeah, and then Swift, like you said, uh, as a Lions fan, they're not giving him the touchdown opportunities. So, well, they did. I thought he was going to get four for Jamal Williams, but instead, towards the tail end of that game in the fourth quarter, they let Swift in there for two goal line carries back to back from the four yard line. He did get the second one in from four yards out which amounted to basically seven of his nine points in that sense. Um, he finished with 20 rushing yards even, so, and 19, or excuse me, and 12 receiving yards. So, yeah, I mean, Danny kind of got bailed out by that last touchdown. Otherwise, DeAndre Swift would have put up a two. And I think that's kind of what we've been seeing with DeAndre Swift recently is he's getting one play that kind of justifies his whole week. I, look, as a Lions fan, I'm really hoping they get him worked back into the offense a little more. feels like they're trying to limit his touches intentionally. We definitely, I was watching the game, and I'm sure some of the Giants fans were watching the game if it was on locally for them. But we even saw Justin Jackson, the third string running back, who started the season fourth string, getting regular carries ahead of DeAndre Swift in this game. Yeah, and for Danny, he does get back DK Metcalf and uh, Waddle, who were on buys this past week. So, you know, potential improvement to his lineup, but he's got to pick, He's he's got a really deep, stable of wide receivers there he's got to pick who he's starting and with aj brown being inconsistent there's a good opportunity for danny to pick wrong coming up yeah you know and you know he went from having the the five wide receivers with michael Pittman. i'm actually kind of surprised in hindsight the trade that i made with danny was deandre swift and dk metcalf for Najee harris and michael Pittman. and now that Najee's kind of coming into his own in Pittsburgh again, I feel like that's a steal. And I, I hate to say this, I'm not rubbing this in, Danny. I know you're listening. I, I don't want you to think I'm trying to gloat about the trade, but usually Danny's not the type of guy to lose a trade so immediately and so clearly. And I felt like Danny just lost this trade and I'm shocked to see it. I really am honestly shocked. I'm not gloating. I just looking back on it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I got that. Maybe Danny was just sick of Najee Harris. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention to Najee Harris enough, but we'll get into what Harris did for me in a little bit. But certainly, you know, Metcalf was on the bench, so he hasn't got a chance to do anything. And we talked about what Swift did. It was really all just one play for the most part there. Yeah. And, and like you said, acquiring guys that are going to be sitting on the bench is a questionable trade decision. Obviously he started Swift this week with his wide receivers. I don't know that he starts Metcalf for the rest of the year. I think you I know, would go with three of the other four. Christian Watson, I think, you know, he had just the one game at the time of the trade. So now it's two games, you know, where he's had five touchdowns over the last two weeks. Amari uh, Cooper's intriguing because he did that against a supposedly tough Buffalo defense. Now, granted, that game was moved. It was played indoors over at Ford Field in Detroit. So it's not going to be likely for many if any of amari cooper's remaining games to get to play indoors um but he you know certainly uh showed out in this one game against a very tough defense looking at the schedule here just about all the games are going to be 
outdoors with the exception of a game at Houston coming up here for Amari Cooper. So I wonder if indoor Amari Cooper and outdoor Amari Cooper have different uh, performance outputs. We'll have to see. That may go into Danny's decision-making if he wants to make that a factor. Well, and I don't really want to give him too much help here, but like you said, just looking, Brown, Cooper, Waddle are probably who I would run with, uh, leaving Watson and Metcalf on the bench. Yep. I mean, he'll still have a little bit of bye week issues coming up. I think uh, Green Bay is the one that has their week 14 bye. So, you know, that may help make the decision a little bit easier for him just on that one week. But we'll see where things go for Danny here. Um, if he can get by with Josh Jacobs and DeAndre Swift at running back. And good news for Danny. Ryan Suckup is off his bye, so he can send Graham Gano to Cutsville. Oh, good for Danny. You know. Danny kept two kickers on this roster just so he could keep suck up and not have to drop him. So I know that's important to Danny. He wants to keep suck up. He doesn't have to worry about it now. Nobody took him from you, Danny. Yeah. And uh, going back, the other team in this pod, Philadelphia boneheads, boneheads, how'd they do? Oh, and two, man. And you know, we just were, you know, they went, just got to 500 last week, 10 and 10, just a tough week to lose here both games because you know with that playoff uh, race so tight especially with those teams between like wild card spot one two and three and then the next two or three lines on the the standings there everyone's so bunched closely together just tough to lose two games even though i guess in andrew's defense i mean these were two strong performances by flynn and by brett but yeah andrew 79 points he got Derek carr of all people uh, with 20 points and tyler bass six field goals 20 points problem is all his skill position players put up between one and eight points so um, not a great look from his running backs receivers or tight end yeah getting a combined 10 points out of his minnesota vikings is got to be a tough pill to swallow it does it it does uh sting a little bit because at the beginning of the season we said that they were a uh a vaunted trio and now he's cut kirk cousins although kirk cousins has bounced around many different rosters at this point. Derek Carr had a good game though, 20 points. So it seems like he kept the right quarterback at least this week, but just didn't get him the win. Yeah. Andrew needs to uh, find a way to bounce back. Of course, he's got Justin Jefferson and Terry McLaurin, two guys that you feel like have certainly the talent and the ability in those offenses to bounce back. Mike Williams tweaked his ankle. They're saying it's not a significant re-injury. So we'll see if that becomes his third receiver going forward. If not, Andrew's been stashing Odell Beckham and that could get interesting. So we'll have to watch out for that there in the future and see uh, if uh, those flirtations with Odell and maybe the Dallas Cowboys, maybe the New York Giants uh, come to fruition anytime soon. Well, and and you also have to believe that whatever the heck was going on with the Vikings, they'll be able to get back from that to go up against Dallas, who just came off a loss against Green Bay and only put up three points is a complete embarrassment for that organization. It has to be a fluke. They've got to do better coming back. Dallas is a tough defense. Kirk Cousins has that, you know, red scarlet letter on him that just kind of says that he can't win big games. Usually those games are primetime games. Certainly he just won the game against uh, Buffalo, that, you know, game of the year candidate. But he, just with Kirk Cousins, it is a roller coaster, and that's going to spread, even though he doesn't have Cousins on his roster, that's going to spread to Dalvin Cook. That's going to spread to Justin Jefferson, and we saw that this week against Dallas. All right, Jay. I know you're really excited to get into this next group of games, so I will give you 
exactly two minutes to say whatever it is you want to say about this next team. And then after that, I don't want to hear anything else about it. Okay. Well, I'm assuming the next team is my own team, the Detroit Roadies. I don't know that I need two minutes, but I am thrilled that I had really a must-win game. I was backed into a corner, but I'm not ready to concede yet, even though I traded away Tyreek Hill. Uh, 119 points for my team. The big excitement I have, we mentioned this with the trade with Danny, I got 23 points out of Najee Harris. I don't follow him all that well. I don't know if I can expect that going forward, but certainly really happy to go with Najee if he's going to kind of put up, you know, that kind of uh, fantasy point scoring in the future. And then I got guys like Chris Olave, Brandon Ayuk. They're putting up points. Justin Fields, that's the one where I got to watch, man. I'm only going to go as far as Justin Fields takes me. And so... He put up 22. He got hurt at the tail end. It's his non-throwing shoulder. And everything I'm seeing, they make it seem like he's playing this week. So I have a little bit of hope. But, John, that's that's all I got, man. I can't gloat too much because their Justin Fields injury is just has the potential to torpedo any remaining chance I had this season. Well, you kept it under two minutes, so I'm surprised there. I'm actually surprised that you're not going to – gloat a little more i was expecting much more from you but as you said justin fields getting hurt not throwing shoulder but he's not putting up points by throwing he's putting up points by running if i've got a potential franchise quarterback who's got a shoulder injury i'm not gonna have a bunch of design qb runs for him to potentially hurt that shoulder even more It's not like they're competing for a playoff spot. They're not going deep into the playoffs. I think you see Chicago, if they have a smart QB, smart GM, really limit his runs moving forward, which could potentially take eight points off his weekly score. It it absolutely could. It totally scares me. Um, I feel like my team is designed not to win this year. I really set everything up for next year at this stage left myself a little bit of an out and certainly this week's performance kept me alive, but I'm, I'm going to have to keep rolling with Justin Fields. As long as he's playing, as long as he's suiting up, that's where I'm going because I, I just don't have enough firepower on the rest of my team. At least I don't think I do uh, to just roll with a Russell Wilson or pick someone up off the waiver wire. Uh, Justin Fields has that home run potential. It cost me one game earlier this season when I benched him. Um, and I think he put up something like 35 or 40 points, cost me one win, which certainly would come in handy right now. But well, no, even, I think he's, he's got to be the guy. Even if you had gone with your backup this week, you still would have beat me. I still would have beaten you. Um, Ricky had 90 points, though. So Ricky at least put up a little bit of a closer fight. But yeah, my backup well, was only 13 I, points shy. I still would have beaten Ricky as well. Yeah, you still would have gone 2-0, even benching Justin Fields. Well, it was a good week for me all around. You know, we talked about some of the other teams having, you know, performances where everyone contributed. My guys, I had a few guys in the single digits, but they all put up six or seven points. Stevenson and Pittman had seven. Mark Andrews had six. Justin Tucker had seven. But then everyone else was 14 points or more. And so when I can see that kind of balanced performance, puts a smile on my face. Well, and to get, once again, going back to the Cowboys-Vikings game, to get 17 points out of the Cowboys defense going up against the Minnesota Vikings. That had to be a nice surprise as well. Uh, I don't know how much of a surprise it was. I expected it, but funny enough, I was actually outscored on the defensive front by one of my opponents this week, Rick, who got an early pick six by the commanders. 
Um, they were playing Houston, so you had the Davis Mills experience. Rick got the flip side of that in this league with the commander's defense. Problem was, as my team was balanced, Rick's team was very unbalanced. 21 points on his defense, 30 points from Tony Pollard, um, despite the presence of Zeke. Um, so Pollard, certainly an uh, intriguing player, short-term and long-term for Ricky. But then outside of the 20 he got from Dak and the 10 he got from Gibson, the rest of his team was not so great. His pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight end combined tallied up a combined three points. Um, Rondell Moore did absolutely nothing to help the cause. He had negative well, six rushing yards and just a complete he left disaster the game, there. He left the game early. I think he had a groin pull. And yep. so on a, early yeah, on only a, in the game gets negative injured yard play. And, then, and then doesn't come back. The problem I think that Rick is facing is he doesn't really have the depth at wide receiver. I mean, he's got to hope Rondell Moore comes back. Garrett Wilson's got questions, not through his own, but certainly Zach Wilson related. Jerry Judy's got the same issues with quarterback, although he's got Russell Wilson. So these Wilson QBs are not throwing to Rick's receivers. He does have Chris Godwin coming back, and certainly you can rely on Brady to get the ball out to his players. But Rick needs to figure out what he's going to do at wide receiver week over week here if he wants to get back into contention he's 9 and 13 right now um he's still mathematically alive the way i figure it though you probably got to go 500 for the season to give yourself a good shot at making the playoffs in this league for ricky that would mean finishing five and one down the stretch well uh, i i don't think rick's got any delusions of him actually making the playoffs i think he's just looking to play spoiler for a couple teams uh you and me probably um uh, but with Pollard putting up the numbers that he's putting up. He's he got NTN from me and Dak. If those keep going strong, then they might carry him to a couple more wins. Yep. And we'll talk about that trade a little bit after uh, the break in today's uh, episode. But yeah, you know, Rick wants he said this all along. He's gone on record saying he wants to make the effort to try and get into the playoffs while he's still mathematically alive. Keep the fun alive. Um, and he's still got that going because he did beat you, John. Uh, 90 to 74. John, you didn't have a great showing this week on a chance to really firm up your division lead. In fact, you've tumbled out of the division lead altogether. Uh, Brett overtook you by half a game. John, where do you lay the blame this week? Well, I think you have to look at what my options were with Tua on a bye, with uh, who else? Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill on a bye. You know, some of my big producers were sitting on the bench. I've limited myself as far as depth on the bench. I did make the the trade with Rick to try to get, I mean, that trade was basically just to try to get that win this week. Cause I know how valuable each individual win is. Um, if that trade was proposed where it wasn't going to go through for this week, then I probably wouldn't have made the trade. And yeah, it, it didn't turn out for me, mainly because of the karma that I got from you uh, by picking up Kirk Cousins. So you think you Kirk know. Cousins is cursed? No, I, I think that you cursed Kirk Cousins. I just You're... traded him. I was trading him to you as a favor. I knew you needed cap relief. Uh, I certainly well, felt like Kirk Cousins thank on paper you was an that. upgrade. You can't yeah. get mad at me for that. I was trying to just help the facilitate the trade that we made I'm just saying out. you you like to call out your oh listen to what I said on the pod and how it came true. You were singing the praise of Kirk Cousins before on the pod and he put up a two. Well, that's why I traded him away. 
I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there, I mean, there wasn't a lot I could do this week. Just the production that I got out of the guys that were on my roster. Chubb put up a five. Uh, pretty disappointing. I was really excited when that game got moved indoors. That, hey, you know, Chubb running on AstroTurf is a lot better than him running in six feet of snow. Um, so that was a, a major disappointment that I didn't see coming. Um, I've got Hill coming back off a of bye. I've got Tua coming back off of bye. Maybe Jamar Chase is coming back this week. Not really sure. That's a question mark that I have moving forward is if he's back this week after limited practice, I'm not sure if I want to just go ahead and throw him in there or if he's going to come back as a decoy and get two or three catches on limited snaps. Yep. I guess the benefit that you have, he, you know, you've, he plays one o'clock. Well, maybe that's not so much a benefit um, with the Thursday games, but he does play the early games on Sunday. So you'll know one way or the other what the reports are going into Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning in your case on the West Coast. Sure. And I'm pretty okay with the waiver wire additions that I've picked up with uh, Darius Slayton, Daniel Peoples-Jones, um, even Paris Campbell in Indiana. They're not terrible. And then I do have a sleeper wide receiver that, you know, he's a, 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 a darling of some of those on this podcast. I've got uh, Deontay let's, Johnson. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, I was going to say, let's leave it there. We're going to save that discussion as we talk about that <laughs> trade later on. Because I've got some questions about that one. I, I, I want to cut you off right there, John, because I have many more thoughts on that than I really care to get into just right now. All right. All right. Let's let's move on then. Our last team that went 2-0, and podcast darling, podcast favorite, fan of the pod as well, Team Wobble, clinch walks into the playoffs. They clinch their division, clinch the first round bye. I think it was all academic at this point, but now it's a mathematical certainly. Congratulations. Welcome to the postseason, Josh. We will see you in week 16 automatically. So great job. This week he puts up relatively middling numbers for for his uh standard he only put up 99 points this week beat the gingers beat the unruly fans the gingers he beat by 20 and really that just came through for him um, with pat mahomes 27 points throwing the ball all over the place but making sure that mostly to travis kelsey three touchdowns for kelsey and route to 29 fantasy points yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy to see that uh, the QB and the tight end for the same team and the tight end outscores the QB. Yeah. I mean, he's got 115 yards there. I mean, so much uh, of that workload went to Travis Kelsey's direction, all the touchdowns that Mahomes threw. Here's the problem, though, for, for Josh's team. He got 58 points out of his Chiefs there, the two Chiefs he started, Mahomes and Kelsey. Only 41 out of the rest of the team combined. Everybody else, every single other player was in single digits. And so I think the question is, is the rest of Josh's team slipping at the wrong time of year? It does look that way. Kamara hasn't had a huge game in quite some time. Sanders has been kind of disappointing the last couple weeks. It's kind of scary for him, I think. Um, You know, like you said, he's probably still got the first round buy. Well, he, he does definitely have one of the first round buys locked up already, right? He does, but is he beatable in week 16 semifinals or week 17 championship game with this roster? 
As it stands right now, going into week 12, it looks that way. Is it going to look the same way going into week 16? I don't think so. I, you know, Gabe Davis, Buffalo's offense, uh, they're going to start firing on all cylinders come, uh, you know, into the season when they're looking to improve their playoff positioning. He does have Juju that will come back eventually, hopefully, for him. Well, uh, we've got a little bit of an issue there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has a concussion. So now, John, you may refer to him unnecessarily as concussion Smith-Schuster. That's um, not me. I wouldn't do that. That's not a nice thing to do. And then he's also got one of his other chiefs, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This, this could be done for the year. Um, he's got a high ankle sprain. He was barely seeing the ball uh, in the first place. I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets back into a starting lineup. I don't know when he even start, you know, gets back gives him enough confidence to actually start him. So Josh is now down, at least in the short term, one of his Chiefs wide receivers and the long term, his Chiefs running back. His depth is in question now because behind Kamara and Sanders, his next best running back is probably Kenneth Gainwell. And maybe Gainwell's insurance for Sanders, if Gainwell is going to benefit from that. But if something happens to Kamara, Josh might be faced with the actual realization of starting two Eagles running back side by side. And I don't think that uh, really would uh, intimidate anyone. No, that is a scary proposition. Um, you know, he's his season is kind of hinged on Kamara staying healthy and actually getting back to putting up Kamara numbers. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was making his starting roster for the remainder anyways. So I don't think that's a huge deal for him. The part of, about that that hurts is he's got him at $19 through next year. So you have to think he's going to cut him next year, but do you hang on to that money and that contract for the rest of the year and see what happens at the end of this year with him? Or do you just go ahead and rip the bandaid off now and send him to the waiver wire and go try to, you know, find what you can on the waiver wire to fill out the, the bench. You know, it's a curious case there. You're looking at uh, Josh's roster long-term and the way Kamara has been playing He's only $21, so you could franchise him up to 26 Still feels like that's an easy decision for Josh to make. The next decision is the one that might get a little trickier. Do you want to get out from under Clyde Edwards-Alaire deal, or do you want to franchise Amon Ross St. Brown at 21 next year? Do you consider franchising Travis Kelsey? That would be $42, but the way he's been playing, maybe he's worth that. So I think Josh has to decide you know, what he's going to do with his second franchise cut slot. Um, and if he wants to hold on to Edwards Alaire now and maybe make the decision later or just cut him now, give up that franchise cut slot and really just go in with presumably what would be uh, Miles Sam or excuse me, Alvin Kamara next year on the franchise tag, the only one franchise tag he has remaining. Yeah, he's got some decisions ahead of him. Hopefully Kamara stays healthy. Hopefully he can get a strong push into the playoffs. You know, we'll have to see there. Uh, I do have to give a congratulations to one of the teams he beat, though. Oh, which team is that? Is that going to be uh, Joe's team or is that Mikey's team? No, that that's going to go out a shout out to Mikey, who's got a full starting lineup of actual starting QBs. He started Colt McCord at a quarterback. And oh, he good did, job. He didn't have a single player put up a zero in his starting lineup. Well, I mean, I think there's like two or three teams that had the, the zero that they had in their starting lineup. So 
I guess Mikey did better than that. 79 points, kind of exactly what you'd expect from his team, I think, at this stage. It's puttering along. 8-13-1, so he's still technically alive, but running on fumes here. I don't think he's really making any delusions about making a playoff push, but who knows? I mean, if he goes 6-0, and he'd be slightly above 500 um, and could squeeze something out. You've got Stefan Diggs there. You never know. I mean, so let me call this out. I don't think it's going to help or hurt anyone or give anyone an advantage, but Stefan Diggs is playing against the Lions this week. Depending on how much you follow the Lions, Jeff Okuda, former number three overall pick, missed for most of his first two seasons with injuries, really came on strong this year. Um, but he's in the concussion protocol. He would have been all over Diggs uh, had he played. With this being a Thursday game, Jeff Okuda is not going to play. I, mean, I don't think they're even considering it at this point. So Stefan Diggs is going to get to feast against an otherwise weak Detroit Lions secondary. Could Diggs? lead the gingers to a, a big game this week deandre hopkins is there tyler boyd certainly explosive you know i could see a path to two and oh this week coming up for the gingers uh with this team but certainly would take uh, a lot of things all falling into place simultaneously yeah and we'll see about that one the other team that josh beat i don't even know what to say joe's team just didn't get the performance out of his normal performers and also didn't get any performance out of his role player guys either. No, I mean, the high score, his high score for the entire week was his QB, Josh Allen, which doesn't surprise you on the surface. But when you say that that score is only 11 points, just a rough week all around. Joe got a zero out of one of his players, his Vikings defense, um, just tough across the board. And really, Joe's team has been hit or miss for the better part of this season here. This is the sixth consecutive week that uh, the unruly fans have either gone 2-0 and or 0-2. So really, you know, just riding the roller coaster this year up and down the standings. And now, just as he had pulled himself into uh, a playoff spot, he's just as quickly fallen out of... Well, no, I take that back. He has not fallen out of a playoff spot just yet. He is still holding down the number six slot by half a game over three teams, the roadies, the boneheads and fantasy football teams. So he's holding on, but certainly off the heels of a 46, not a lot of optimism on that side of Philadelphia. No, but you, you have to think his team will do better week in and week out moving forward with Allen only putting up 11 McCaffrey only put up a nine against Arizona. That was an easy matchup for, McCaffrey going up against Arizona and only manages a nine. You know, he's got Foreman and Zeke that he's going to have to make a decision week in and week out. Zeke came back and put up a 16 this week with two rushing touchdowns. Uh, So you think he, he could field a better team week in and week out. He's got Mike Evans coming back off a bye. So I think he's got Mike Evans coming off a bye, but here's the problem. He's got DJ Moore who now has Sam Darnold throwing to him. Carolina's rolling through the the carousel of quarterbacks. Nobody's affected there. He's got Brandon Cooks, who already quit on the team once. He's got Davis Mills throwing to him. And then MVS uh, may not be the guy there uh, anymore with Juju coming back. No, no, no. Who is the guy there anymore in Kansas City? You saw it. It's just Travis Kelsey. No, no, no. You saw it. Who was the wide receiver catching all those passes? Is this a Sky Moore reference? This is a Sky Moore reference. That's right. Uh, to the moon, Sky Moore. That's right. Well, it just, yeah, I, I struggle to see how Joe's team really 
puts it together at the and then at tight end, Jawan Johnson just catches touchdowns, which if you can get, you know, if you don't have one of the top tight ends, but you can get a tight end that keeps getting in the end zone, he'll take that. I just don't know if that's going to continue. I mean, Jawan Johnson doesn't seem like a 12 touchdown kind of guy over the course of the season. <laughs> he's got five year to date. I don't know if, you know, he's really going to hit double figures. So Joe may be struggling to get really any pass catching performance there. Uh, he's really going to need Allen and McCaffrey to uh, lead the way here. Yeah, just like many of us, he's going to require some luck to make a push into the playoffs. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a a brief ad from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to come back with a trade deadline recap of one last deal that we've kind of teased along the way. And then we'll get into the week 12 preview. So stay tuned right after this. Today's episode of A Bit of Lacio is brought to you by Scheming Weasel Services. Are you unhappy with the name your parents gave you? Do you want to change it so that it sounds exactly the same but has one extra letter? Do you want to quote sports facts from the 90s that are so obscure that no one will know if you are telling the truth? Are you interested in licensing and reviving the Fantasy Football Survivor League? Call the Scheming Weasel today. And don't fuck with the pro Welcome back. We are now getting ready to get into our trade deadline recap. Uh, Really, it's just one trade that that didn't get touched on. Um, You know me, I like to get those trades in before we record the podcast on a Tuesday. But we had one trade trickle through, uh, really pushing up against the deadline. I think it went through Friday night uh, between Rick and John. It was actually made. I'm going to get another plug in real quick here. It was made live in the middle of Quarantino Casino. So if you want to facilitate trades, make trades, improve your fantasy team, jump on Quarantino Casino because you never know when the opportunity will be there to make a deal or to hear a little tidbit of fantasy goodness that can help your team succeed. So definitely join Quarantino Casino every Friday night. But John, you got Austin Eckler out of this as well yeah. as... Oh, you go got, ahead. You got the plug in before I did. I was I was also going to plug Quarantino Casino because we were sitting there playing cards and I was giving Rick a hard time about not moving Eckler, um, not getting anything for him before the trade deadline when it looked like he was not going to be able to make the playoffs. And he said he had reached out to uh, different teams and nobody had any interest in Eckler at all. And I said, well, shoot, I've got interest in Eckler. I'm playing you this week. If we can make this deal happen so that I've got Eckler in our matchup instead of you having Eckler in our matchup, let's uh, see if we can get the numbers to work. And I just took a look at my lineup. Um, I had to give up Travis Etienne, which was a tough pill to swallow, $31 through 2024. And then the only other way that I could get that, that money to work is if I threw in Godwin which he had shown flashes of old Godwin recently, but still his performance so far this year, not worth his contract of $36. Uh, So it really didn't hurt me too much to throw him in there. Um, And then, you know, just for fun, I got Deontay Johnson. 
So, yeah, you got Deontay Johnson as a kickback there, and I want to know, was that done to spite me? No, absolutely not. I would never do that. It feels like it was done to spite me. I've been no. the biggest champion of Deontay Johnson all year. I tried to get him. I couldn't get him. And then you go ahead and get him in the, pretty much the exact same trade. That's what I was going well, for. I was going I'm, for Eckler and Deontay. I mean, maybe I'm better at fantasy football than you. Well, maybe you are, but you're the one that traded for Deontay Johnson and Austin <laughs> Eckler and still went 0-2 last week. Yeah, uh, that did still – that stung a little bit, but not making that trade was not going to save me because Etienne and Godwin were both on a, on a buy, so – I was losing either way, and now I'm just set up better moving forward. I think having Eckler over Etienne this year, I mean, th that's what this trade was for me. It was a roll of the dice. Do I think that Eckler is going to outperform Travis Etienne for the rest of this year? And I think he is. I think he yep. sets me up better. Um, Godwin was probably not going to be in my starting lineup come playoff time anyways, and Deontay Johnson's definitely not going to be in my starting lineup unless you are correct about Deontay Johnson. And we just not have, we haven't seen his brilliance yet. Well, you know what? I, yeah, I think they just got to get things on the same page in Pittsburgh there, but otherwise, I mean, let's look at this in the grand scheme of your moves here, John, you lost Cooper cup to injury. And with the Cooper cup injury, you turned Cooper cup into Tyreek Hill just as a way of going for this year instead of future years. Uh, only makes sense that you would also uh, go all in instead of straddling the line. So you went and you traded the future value of Etienne for the current value of Austin Eckler. Yeah, you're right. You know, Godwin, you had to throw in to make the cap space work. But at the end of the day, you've now got potentially Eckler coming in, Tyree Kill coming in, and if he comes back from injury soon enough, Jamar Chase coming in. Those are three top-tier guys. I mean, if you look at, you know, just overall running back receiver rankings, those guys are probably three of the top 10 right there, if not top five altogether. Uh, and that's a lot of talent coming in. Now, you did lose Cooper Cup in the process due to injury, but there was nothing you could do about that. And then giving up Etienne, um, certainly not of Eckler's caliber. So I think now that you've gotten through this past week, 0-2, you're starting to piece some things together. You've got your full lineup out there with Chubb and Eckler and Tyreek Hill, maybe getting Jamar Chase back. Um, it really becomes, can you get into the playoffs? And if you can get into the playoffs, then it's, you know, a, a team at least that you've assembled that certainly has a very high ceiling. Yeah. And you brought up next year and in, in the future moving forward. Um, I'm not too concerned because Pacheco does look like he's turning out to be the guy there uh, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire probably being done. They had moved on for, from Clyde Edwards uh, Hilaire anyways, uh, Pacheco has been their starter. They've given him more touches. Sky Moore looks like he might turn out to be serviceable next year. So that's not a complete waste of a contract. And then, you know, I've always got the opportunity to trade back for uh, Travis Etienne next year when he has a couple dud weeks in a row and Ricky feels like, you know, moving him. I can get him back next year, maybe for even less than sell high, buy low, right? Yeah. And I think we should call out, I mean, you touched on Pacheco and, and Sky Moore. You've got those guys locked up through next year, $2 for Pacheco, $1 for Sky Moore. Um, so certainly if they can play any sort of role, Pacheco certainly looks more likely to be playing a, a definitive role. But if they could play any sort of role, 
Um, you've certainly freed up cap space to bid on other players in the auction next year, um, knowing that you've got those uh, two spots locked down for well under market value. You've also got Jamar Chase, who's probably the you know the easiest candidate from your standpoint for a franchise tag. He's at $21 now on a, a deal that's expiring but can be franchised for 26 So suddenly you're looking at between those three players alone, only $29 spent. Um, I think you've got the opportunity for um, just, you know, plug two of those guys, if not three, into your lineup and then spend around them to uh, build up the rest. Yeah, and if Tua keeps performing the way he's performing, he's a franchise candidate as well. Yeah, he's on a dollar deal. So, you know, six bucks next year is certainly a value if he's performing the way he's doing right now. Uh, Tyreek Hill could even be another candidate for your team next year. He's <laughs> only at 44. Only we'll go up to 55. <laughs> Um, but certainly, you know, if he's setting a record right now for uh, receiving yards, which he's on pace to, I think, hit over 2,000, which would be a record, um, I, I could justify the price tag, I suppose. Yeah, something tells me that's not happening. Well, you know, the point is you didn't need the value of Etienne when you made this deal, and so you're certainly able to take leverage those uh, the bargains and the contracts that you have for your Chiefs and for Jamar Chase uh, into a uh, – a full-fledged run out of this year which certainly appears to be what you're taking i am and we will see how it goes because this next week is really the must win for me yeah i mean this is this is probably the biggest game for you all season i really it's it's me you and brett all vying for the division lead here we're all within a game and a half of each other uh none of us have you know even so much as a wild card spot really locked up here so um Whoever wins between the three of us, whoever goes 2-0, and certainly going to be in the driver's seat going forward, um, controlling their own playoff chances. Yeah, and the last I looked, I don't think anybody's really impacted by buys. There are zero buys this week. So You've got the three Thursday games, and then they're playing a full slate Sunday and you know the Sunday night, Monday night games. Oh, yeah, so everybody's full strength, you know, except for injuries. Um and there's not even that many injuries that are out there. Obviously, I've got one of the more high-profile ones with Justin Fields. You've got Joe Mixon may or may not play with the concussion issues. Uh, but there's really not a lot of teams with multiple injuries and multiple question marks. Um, it's, this is really going to be all week. Everyone's going to be pretty near full strength with uh, everyone playing. Yeah, it's your best against my best, and we'll see who comes out on top. Yeah, it's, we'll find out if it's the Tyree Kill Revenge game, too. It's his first game suiting up for your team after he was on bye this week um, since you acquired him in the trade. And the first guy he's going up against is me, the guy that traded him away. So that's probably going to be the, uh, the big point there to see if I regret that. Obviously, you've got both ends of the Tyree Kill uh, passing and throwing connection with Tua starting at QB. So I'm hoping that one doesn't come back to bite me because that was definitively for me a future forward trade um, giving up Tyree kill to get the ability to franchise Cooper cup at a bargain next year. Yeah. And one interesting to what one interesting thing in your matchup against Brett is Brett's got the jets D and you've got uh, Justin Fields. So the better fields does the worse the jets D does and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if, if he's counting on fields to be out if he's going to start him, if he's going to make a move, um, you know, he picked him up last week to start against the Patriots. I don't know if that'll stay, to be honest with you. I guess we may even find out by the time this episode airs um, and waivers have processed, but 
certainly, you know, that looks like a juicy matchup. The Jets D is strong, but it's a lot juicier if you've got either no Justin Fields or a reduced effectiveness Justin Fields behind center. Yeah. Well, other matchups we've got here, uh, the two teams from Philadelphia, two brothers, Joe Stave, Andrew Stave, the fans and the boneheads um, go head to head. They're fighting for that last playoff spot, which we mentioned Joe is holding on to by half a game over Andrew, among other uh, teams. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a fight for the playoff spot there. Whoever wins that game gets a little bit of an edge. And then the third party in the little pod of matchups there, the Gingers, this is their last chance, man. We talked about them probably needing to win out here, uh, but this is going to be their last chance to gain ground. Can they knock off both teams? I would love to see it. I think a lot of other teams are rooting for the Gingers, um, knowing that the Gingers have a chance to hang a couple losses on two teams in the wildcard hunt. Yeah, I'm not putting any money on Mikey pulling out those games, though. No, but I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. I'm going to be checking his roster before the games start, and if he's got someone that's not going to play sitting in the starting lineup, I may shoot him one of those courtesy texts. No, those courtesy texts, huh? Uh, it It is going to be interesting Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I don't know. Do Andrew and Joe get together for Thanksgiving? I would imagine they do. So they're going to be together, and they've got Dalvin Cook playing on Thanksgiving and Josh Allen. So, you know, some of their – well, and uh, Justin Jefferson. So there's going to be a lot determined in in that matchup just on Thanksgiving. Well, hopefully the Lions shut Josh Allen down, not so much from a fantasy perspective, but um, hoping he doesn't get any chance to get his numbers and the Bills get shut out. Let's see here. Another matchup we've got, uh, you'll see Tommy's team. They got a chance to actually secure the division, officially lock up both the division title and a first round bye. They'll probably need a little bit of help to do that, but it is possible for them to do that depending on going 2-0 and and getting some other teams losing. Um, so yeah, we'll see if Tommy can keep it rolling. And then in the same breath, he's playing against two teams that are battling for the wild card spot, Flynn's Flock and Fantasy Football Team. Um, yeah. probably not going to be getting together for Thanksgiving. Well, Sean's not coming into town, is he? Into uh, uh, Florida here? I mean, he's not coming into Tacoma, so... I Maybe don't he is. You don't know that. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, the two Flynn's are... It's going to be the uh, the family feud coming up here over Thanksgiving. The two Flynn's... Or two of the Flynn's playing each other um, in addition to the staves. We'll see if uh, Danny can continue riding with Jimmy Jeans um, through Thanksgiving week. Yeah, Jimmy Jeans. And then the last team to preview, or the last group of teams to preview, uh, we've got both the Tortoises and the Mob just struggling to stay alive, and they've got the worst possible draw. They're playing Team Wobble. Wobble looking to lock up the number one overall seed. He could do that as early as this week. His magic number is three. Um, curiously enough, though, Tommy's going to have the tiebreaker on him. Um, so, you know, getting that number one overall seed and playing the worst remaining team in the semifinals a uh, little bit of an advantage that uh, Josh is still looking to play for. Yeah, and, you know, it kind of luck shining on Wobble, right, where his team's starting to falter a little bit and showing some weakness, and then he matches up against the Tortoises and the Mob. Yep, and and those two teams, well, let's call it out. I mean, they, they've pretty much got to go. We talked about Ricky probably needing at least 5-1. and one. The Mob are six games below 500, so Pretty much only a 6-0 finish is going to do it for the mob here. Um, 
Danny called it out on the text chain. He made a very strong proclamation that Mike was not making the playoffs. Mike seemed a little defiant of that, um, but now he's on his last legs here. He's going to have to win out the rest of the way and probably still get a little bit of help um, in order to squeeze into the top six. But at least he can uh, do his control his own destiny by winning out here. Yeah, and good news for Rick. He will know early on whether he's got a chance this week or not because having the uh, Dak and Pollard playing on Thanksgiving, either they shine or they don't. And if they don't, then there's no way he's pulling out either of those matchups. Yeah, we'll have to see what the Cowboys do. They do like to show up a, a big on Thanksgiving, especially recently. So uh, I wouldn't count the Cowboys out. They're, they're big favorites in what's expected to be a little bit of a high-scoring game. He, uh, he may get off to a running start here this week. Yeah, and for Mike, I don't know what to say. Best of luck, Mike. Hopefully Mixon plays for you. Hopefully yeah. Jamal Williams scores another three touchdowns for you. That's what I hope for. Eh, hope, hopefully you pick up a tight end and you don't start Isaiah Likely again. Well, we've got a lot of things in, in store for you, Mike. We can wish for you. All right, John, I think that's just going to about do it for this episode. Uh, we do want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Um, I don't want to get too corny with the Thanksgiving theme, but we are thankful that you guys took this little idea that we had uh, for a 10 to 15 minute podcast and enjoyed it so much that it's grown into what it's become. Um, we have fun doing it, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you guys all look forward to it every week. Yes, thank you guys for making this such a success that it takes three hours out of my Tuesday nights to record and talk to Jason and then produce and make Jason sound like a chipmunk. Please don't make me sound like a chipmunk. I am not thankful for that. But yeah. Take care, everyone. Best of luck to you. Uh, remember to like, and subscribe and ring that bell for notifications and uh, have a good Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Because you're going to make me sound like a chipmunk again? I don't know. You better not. <laughs> <laughs> like, we want this to be listenable. To I, I will sound completely normal. You can't modulate me. <laughs>